Let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. We've been in a series called The Mind of Christ, and we're not quite done. We want to get everything that we need to. Uh, how many of you know it is good to go over things more than once? And we don't, you just necessarily, we're not going over the exact same thing, but to just meditate on things and hit things from a different angle. That's how you learn in school. You, you know, and, and sometimes just to, mar- to let stuff uh, marinate and just sit, it, it helps you. It helps you to really get it down. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 13, it says, These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but with the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know him, them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Everybody say, I have the mind of Christ. So we need to agree with what God said. So, you know, we, we've been hitting, um, talking about this for a number of weeks now, over a period of time, and over time, we hit different facets and let the Lord bring out um, different parts of this truth. And that, that gives the Holy Spirit the uh, material it needs to work throughout the weeks. You know, it can come back to you, you know, a different day in a different situation. And, you know, you can hear something and then, uh, you know, it's, it's, you've gotten, gotten further, gotten, gotten some ground. Uh, but, you know, to have another dose when you get you get um, hear the message again and it just reinforces it. It's like, you know, you put a layer down, maybe, you know, just life tries to kind of wear it down. You get another layer on top of it. So when you after a while, you're really starting to get grounded and then it produces lasting change. And that is what we're after, not to, to produce some kind of, you know, certain number of message series, and then we put a cherry on top and say, isn't that pretty? If it doesn't produce lasting change in men and women's hearts, what are we doing? Rhetorical question. That's not what God's after. That's not what we're after. We're not, we're not after, you know, things that look pretty. We're after practical change when the pressure is on, when you're getting pushed. Are, is your life changing for the better? Amen? We want to come up, and I believe we are. I believe we're seeing things. Let's look at Ephesians 4.20. So we've been talking about our minds being renewed, our minds being changed, which that's what we're, we're saying. We change our minds to more like He thinks. We come up in our lives. Verse 20 says, But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. See, when you're born again, you put on a new person. That's your spirit. We're going to talk about that a little more in a minute. Verse 23 says, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. In the NIV, verse 23 says, be made new in the attitude of your minds. In the Amplified, it says, be constantly, constantly be, uh, be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. So that's what we're after. We're changing the way we think, our attitude, the way we see things. And then that, in, tur- in turn, produces a change in our behavior. Uh, we read this in 1 Peter 4, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself also with the same mind. Arm yourself. That, that is a, there's a connotation there of putting something on, doing something. In other words, it's not automatic. You, on purpose, do something with your mind. Your mind is your mind. Nobody else is going to renew your mind for you. Don't you wish that could happen? You know, somebody just could just dump, you know, they got to a certain point in a certain area, so they could push a button, just dump all their information into your mind, and boom, you're done. That'd be awesome, you know, you don't know a certain subject, well, boom, now you know it. Didn't have to study, didn't have to work. Fortunately, it doesn't work like that. 
Do you know, we used to have Cliff's Notes, Cliff Notes, I think it was Cliff's Notes. When, I probably still have them, probably a different version. You know, they were yellow books. How many know what I'm talking about? Old school, you know what I'm talking about. It was a little book and it, it you know, some text on it, black over yellow, and that was kind of the um, shortcut to, to understanding, especially like in English, you know, literature, writing, you know, you, you read some, you read Hamlet, and then they have the Cliff's Notes to talk about what they're actually saying. What's the story? What's the theme? What, you know, all this kind of stuff. Give you a clue. And that's not a bad thing. Um, but, you know, and some people, they just read that, and they didn't read the real thing. They're just going to read it and try to go off the Cliff's Notes. Well, yeah, you get corresponding results probably, <laughs> you know, that way. Uh, don't you wish that you could just have a really short version in all the areas of life and then be just at the same place as if you had really put yourself into it? Unfortunately, it's not like that. We have to do something. We have to arm ourselves, not saying that it's just all up to us and work. No, but we have to put, we have to do something. We have to put our hand to the plow. It's not that God, Christianity is not all you working hard to earn something from God, but God has giving us, given us all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. Ephesians says He's given us what we need, but we need to receive. Well, how are you going to know what to receive? You need to know that there's something there to receive, and then you need to act and say, no, that's mine. If you don't know it's yours, you will be talked out of it easy. And then it's not that you couldn't say God didn't give it to you. He gave it to you, but at the slightest little push, you let go. Well, how you gonna, the more we have God's Word in us, the more we're going to hold fast, we're going to push through. When something contradicts the Word, we're going to not look at the circumstance. We're going to look at Him, and we're going we're gonna to press on. So we need to arm ourselves. NIV, same verse, says, Arm yourself also with the same attitude. Your attitude is something you put on. You can have a poor attitude and decide, I'm done with this, I'm putting on the right attitude. Same situation. You come up with a challenge, you could go down a negative path and say, well, never going never gonna to happen now. Or you could say, anyway, still gonna, we're still going to succeed. That's putting on something. Doesn't mean you feel like it. Doesn't mean, you know, the sun is all of a sudden shining and the birds are chirping and now you feel like it. If that's what happens, then we're going to be up and down. The CEB also says you should also arm yourself with his way of thinking. And that's what it's all about. If you look at a situation the way God sees it, then you're going to be in the best possible place. Not somebody else's opinion. How does God see it? So we've been going over different facets of these truths. Finally, look at Romans 12, verse 2. Another scripture we've gone over a number of times. You know, when we do this at the beginning, we have usually foundational scriptures, but not everybody's been with us the whole time. And so you want to gather everybody together, no matter what they've heard, and move on. You know, at the beginning, so if you just pick up like a classroom, in a classroom setting, you can, you can do that. Everybody pretty much was there the day before. You might review a little bit. But, you know, week to week, not necessarily everybody's with us. It might be their first time in a certain series. So you want them to get as much out of it. So, you know, we try to gather and then go. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed in this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So your actual behavior, how you act, is going to change uh, based on how you think. So you're transformed because your mind is being changed. Now let's look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, we alluded to this a little bit earlier. But this says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we've talked about this in detail, but briefly, man is a spirit. We have a soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions, and we live in a body. So we're three parts. We're not just one part. Everybody sees the body. I mean, that's, that's what everybody's looking at when you walk around, and even if you're online, if it's a Zoom call or something, you see the person. 
Everybody's pretty familiar with that part. The Spirit you don't see. You see the results of the Spirit, but you don't see your, that's, that's the real you, but you don't see it with your physical eyes, but that's the real you. You're a spirit. Your, your mind, will, and emotions is your soul. So your, your mind, will, and emotions did not get changed if you trusted God. The Bible says all things have been made new, but that's not your mind isn't made new. That's what we're talking about. You have to reprogram, renew your mind, but it didn't happen automatically. Your body certainly didn't change right away when you believed God. You just looked the same. Whatever, you got brown hair, you got brown hair. You know, if you're four foot two, you're four foot two afterwards. Didn't shoot you up to, to six eight or something like that, and vice versa. You know, and just all of a sudden shrink. Your body didn't change. Your spirit became brand new in a minute. I mean, in an instant. Just brand new person. Your mind needs to have, it, it needs to be renewed, needs to be changed over time. Now let's look at 4, 12, uh, Hebrews 4.12. It says here, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. See, the soul is not the spirit and vice versa. Your spirit is you. Your soul is you too, but it's not the core of your being. It says, the word of God can, is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So the Word of God can cut through and discern what's your spirit, what's your mind. Now, one thing we need to understand is the importance of what's in our mind. And we need to understand, and we've talked about different facets of this, but I really felt to emphasize this part today. We need to understand that our mind and our body are the two gateways where Satan will try to hit you and gain access to your life. Now, not talking about the, mind, the body so much now, but the mind is a gateway. And we need to understand that Brother Hagen, Kenneth E. Hagen Sr., in the book Triumphant Church, if you haven't read that book, I encourage you to read it. Uh, it's It's excellent give you great insight into the spiritual realm. But it, he said in this, we need to understand man's nature because the devil works through man's five physical senses and his unredeemed soul and body to try to defeat him. When a believer understands that, he can close the door to the devil by renewing his mind, his soul, and keeping his body, his flesh, under the dominion of his recreated spirit. That's essential in standing victorious against the devil. Now, we've talked a lot about, you know, what you do, how you cast down thoughts. We've talked about the fact that they come, uh, you know, evil thoughts had their, their um, birth with Satan. At some point, they were introduced in the world. They were introduced to you somehow, maybe through somebody else. But if you go to the root, it's not from God, it's from Satan. And we've talked about casting thoughts down and how these things come. But I want to emphasize this out of the Word of God. We just read 1 Thessalonians were three parts, spirit, soul, and body. And we, talk, and we looked at um, Hebrews 4, the Word of God can divide between soul and spirit. We're going to look at uh, more scriptures. But we want to emphasize that our minds, our minds and our bodies, we're talking about our minds, they're one of the primary gateways how Satan tries to defeat you. We need to be conscious of this. So many times we're looking at what's going on out there as that's the attack. The primary, one of the primary attacks is through your mind. Because if he can get you to think the wrong thing about what's actually going on, then he will defeat you. It's not what's happening so much as how you look at it. You could have utter defeat in the natural, but if you know what God has said and you realize that like we've been talking on Wednesdays, God is with you. It doesn't matter what's going on in the natural. You and Him are a majority. Amen. Now, if you have that mentality, it doesn't, now it, it looks a lot different. You start looking at the situation going, well, this is no big deal. God's with me. 
Now, but if, if Satan can get you to believe it's you, God has abandoned you, now the, the situation can look bigger and bigger. So sometimes we miss this. We're looking at somehow the, that somehow Satan is attacking us from these outside places, and we're not recognizing one of the primary things he does is try to get a thought sewed into your mind that'll cause you to doubt, that'll cause you to go in the wrong direction, that'll cause you to accept less than what God has for you. Smith Wigglesworth said, I'm going to read a little bit from his book, uh, Ever-Increasing Faith. It says, do you see, all right, he was actually talking about Jesus and how Jesus would come, or God, uh, excuse me, Satan would come to Jesus when he was tempting him, and he was bringing, uh, he was bringing thoughts and suggestions to Jesus, and he cast it down through the word. And he says, do you see how Jesus mastered the devil in the wilderness. Jesus knew he, he was the Son of God, and Satan came along with an if, quote-unquote. How many times has Satan come to you this way? He says, after all, you may be deceived. You know you are really not a child of God. If the devil says you are, are not saved, it is a pretty sure sign that you are. When he tells you that you are not healed, it may be taken as good evidence that the Lord has sent his word and healed you. The devil knows that if he can capture your thought life, he has won a mighty victory over you. His great business is injecting thoughts. But if you are pure and holy, you will instantly shrink from that. God wants us to let the mind that was in Christ Jesus, that pure, holy, humble mind of Christ, be in us. He said, I came across, I've come across people everywhere I go who are bold, or excuse me, are held bound by deceptive conditions. And these conditions have come about simply because they have allowed the devil to make their minds the place of his stronghold. How are we to guard against this? The Lord has provided us with the, the weapons that are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds of the enemy and by means of which every thought shall be brought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ and His mighty name are an antidote to all the subtle seeds of unbelief that Satan would sow in your minds. So see, Satan... One of his primary things is to inject thoughts in you that will defeat you. Satan, Satan does, excuse me, does not come, you know, in a red suit with horns and a pitchfork and tell you how he's going to defeat you. He does it. It's not so obvious, and people, they, they'll, they, it's so tempting to not understand, because Satan is a deceiver, not understand that it's not so much the circumstance, it's that thought that you're meditating on, that you're receiving, that's actually defeating you at a given time. And you look right past that and say it must be the situation, and at the same time entertaining something that Satan is actually using to defeat you. We need to know this. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. We need to know the playbook so we can counter it. Otherwise, you'll receive it. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So we have an adversary, and sometimes we know kind of fuzzy that, oh yeah, I mean, some things, I mean, Satan's going to try to defeat me in different ways, or yeah, oh, some things are really obvious, well, I know I'm not supposed to be thinking about that. But sometimes those aren't the most the things that mostly defeat us, defeat us. It's the subtle thoughts. You know, if, if you had a thought, go down after the service when you get done worshiping God and go rob the bank that's open, you know. Some banks are open on Sunday around here. You go down there and rob them. 
you would know not a good thought and you would cast it down. See that, everybody, you cast down, that's what the, the Bible talks about. We've talked about that. that that's a, a, a term in the word, but it's not a religious term. Somebody said, how do I do that? Just think about, you know, a thought that came, go rob the bank. What did you do with it? I'm not doing that. You just went on. There you go. That's all it is. Well, I, I got to pray about it. I got, what did you do in that case? I've never had that thought. Anything like that, that you know, I'm not doing that. That's not what I'm doing. You didn't have to get religious about it. You didn't have to pray about it. You didn't have to get in the right, oh, Satan, I just resist you. You just said, no, I'm not, no, stupid, no. That's all, that's it. Let's not make it more complicated than it is. That's what we're talking about. But we need, the part of it is, it's not when it's something like that, because everybody's like, of course that's wrong. You know it's wrong. You know, cops and robbers, shows from here and go, you knew what was right and was wrong. You knew that those guys, they get caught, they're going to jail. So you knew. But so many times it's the subtle thoughts where people are like, and they're not even thinking this way. Not even thinking that that's Satan. It's just a thought pops up. A thought pops up and what do I, I I'm, not, I'm not consciously thinking that that is a thought from the devil or that it's evil. I just start thinking about it. Whereas the, the bank robbing, I just, no. This I'm like, it just comes in, I'm wandering and it's like, doo doo doo. Oblivious that this is being injected to kill me. It's being injected to ruin my marriage. It's being injected to ruin the relationship with my kids. It's being injected to ruin my health, to ruin my business, to get me away from God. We'll just take one step. Look at this. It's all, okay. You're not, it's just like, well, okay. And all the, it's, it's sowing. If you could see what's going on, it's like poison. Starting in the mind, going down, trying, and it's got an end. It's got a, it's got a purpose. It's trying to, to steal. Let's look at a few scriptures um, about this. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 1. We, we read this a few weeks ago. It won't hurt us to look at it again. Passing. Uh, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 1 says, Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly, and indeed you, you do bear with me, for I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you in one, to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Verse 3, But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For, he who comes preaches, for if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you have a different spirit which... Uh, which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. Let's go back to verse 3. As the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. That gives you a picture. The simplicity that's in Christ, focused, clear, but Satan is trying to corrupt mess up. I've given that example. I, when I think of corrupted, something being corrupted, I, I have a software engineering background. I worked in the software engineer or uh, industry for years. So immediately I think of a device, a hard drive being corrupted or something being wrong. What that means is, you know, your computer was working, everything was fine, but if something gets corrupted, all of a sudden nothing works because the very information on that a piece of equipment is messed up. You could have a file that's corrupted. So it used to be you could open your picture file um, on your computer and you could see it clearly, but if it gets corrupted, your, your computer goes to look at it in a certain format and it doesn't find what it's looking for and it says, I can't do this. I, I, it's messed up. That's corruption. That's what this is talking about. Our, our minds can be on God, but Satan is trying to come and corrupt what you're thinking. Why? Just so he can say, "Who who corrupted you?" No, he's trying to he's trying to destroy your life. He's playing hardball. You know what I mean by that? 
You know, you can play wiffle ball. Anybody know what a wiffle ball is? You know, the actual wiffle balls have uh, holes on one side, so, you know, you can throw a curve even though you have no ability to throw a curve with a real baseball. You know, uh, you can take that thing and throw it, and because of the air pressure on one side, it'll curve, and you can do all kinds of things. You make it go up, you make it down, all this kind of stuff. And just because it's physics and really not your ability. But you're playing with a wiffle ball, or you're playing with another plastic ball, or you're playing with even a softball. Softballs are not soft. They're just bigger and hard. I, I don't know where that name came from. I probably, you could Google it, <laughs> I'm sure. You get hit with a softball, you're not going to say, ooh, that was cushy. You're <laughs> <laughs> they're bigger and they're hard. But when you talk about playing hardball, you're talking about a baseball, you know, baseball size, and you get hit with that thing, and then it, it hurts even worse because it's, it's dense, and you can throw it fast. Satan is playing hardball with your life. There is no wiffle ball, not even softball. He's trying to take you out. If you don't believe that, then you're a target bigger than ever before because you're, you're an easy target, I should say. He's trying to take you out. So when he brings thoughts, it's not like, oh, he's your friend today. Never, never, he's never your friend. It's always the same end to kill you. Either literally take you out. If, if, you, if a person has not uh, been born again, received Jesus, keep them away. If they have received Jesus, get you to where you don't even want to talk to God and you're away from Him, get you so that you accept sickness and disease in your body, do things that will promote that, destroy your marriage, destroy your family, get you separated from the people you love, ruin you financially. Those are, those are His targets. Steal, kill, destroy. Never, never is there a, a lower level of operation like well you're just in level you know video games have different levels of difficulty um, the Bible does say that God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear in other words if it's in the ring with you you can defeat it on the other hand Satan is never like oh I'm just you know you're new to the world new to this Christianity so I'm just gonna be nice to you no he's still gonna try to take you out earlier the better if you do that, if you know that, then you're not going to entertain certain things. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have a radar up. We're going to be like, wait a minute. Wait, ah, uh, know what's going on here. So verse 3 says, as, you, as the serpent deceived Eve with his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity. So that's corruption. Notice it says, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. Now we spent some time. We're not going to take time to turn there this morning. But generally, a lot of people know that uh, account that uh, God had told Adam and it went through to Eve, you know, don't, don't, don't eat this fruit and what's going to happen? And Satan came back to Eve and said, did God really say and started sowing um, thoughts into her that were against what God said and questioned him? And so it says that, that Satan deceived Eve. What does deceive mean? One definition is to cause to think on things that are not true. To cause to think on things that are not true. That's what deceived is. If, if, you're, if you're deceived and then you know the truth, you're no longer deceived. You don't, you don't believe. But if you believe a lie, you are deceived. That's Satan's goal, is just like he did to Eve, to inject thoughts that cause you to start thinking on things that are not true. John 8, 44 says, you, this is Jesus, you are of, the fa uh, of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer, talking to the religious uh, leaders, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. So Satan comes to lie. He's coming to deceive. In other words, there's not, he has a day where this is truth day and everything he says is going to be true now. He, it's never the case. Like what we read that Smith Wigglesworth said, if he tells you you're not saved, it's a sure sign that you have been saved. He'll try to talk you out of it. Did you really? I mean, you, you said that, and you can, but is that really the word, just like he did with Eve? Did God really say, no, you know, you're experiencing a symptom in your body. 
Well, did God, God really, it doesn't really say that. I mean, yeah, you've heard that and some people believe that, but it's not working and that's not really true. What's he trying to do? Get you to disconnect from that belief. Why does not happen now? Anything, look at that. This is, this is just, you're, you know, you're off in the weeds. This doesn't, those are all injected thoughts that have the purpose of separating you from God and his word and his truth because then you can be defeated. That's what it is. Satan is a liar. This is what he does. 2 Corinthians 4.3, you know, we went over some of this, um, what we're talking about right now, back in the, the wisdom series, we talked about deception and what Satan does, and I thought it would be really good to talk about it in this context because we need to understand how these things come. When we're talking about our mind, be at the lookout at the, the root of these things coming. It's so much easier to cut it off when it's starting, when a thought gets injected, rather than when it takes root, when you've been thinking about stuff. And we've talked about if things are there, what to do, get them out, change our thinking. But one thing, if we can understand that at right when something comes into our head, that Satan is going to try. He will try today. In fact, right now, can try to get you off and he's injecting. It's not if. He's going to. This is what he does. So you don't have to be scared. You just have to be aware. And then it can start identifying things that maybe we've accepted before that we realize, wait a minute, this, he's totally playing me. And it is working. I'm starting to back away from the word. I'm starting to doubt. Wait a minute. No, get out. Like what we've talked, we've talked about these things, but we're, we're honing in on, wait a minute. He's going to do this. We need to have our guards up. This is a gateway to defeat us. He can't get to your spirit directly. He's going to try to go through your flesh, your bodily desires, your senses, and your mind. If he can get a hook in your mind, he can control you. He can, he can push you in directions. 2 Corinthians 4.3 says, But even if our gospel is veiled... It is veiled to those who are perishing, whose, God, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Verse 4 says, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. That's his goal, is to blind people. Now, I mean, you know, you know the song, Amazing Grace, I was blind, but now I see. Well... You can come from the place of blindness because this world is shrouded in darkness. And there's so much darkness and dark ideas that people come up and they come up, you know, grow up, and they've probably been uh, injected with a lot of ungodly things. It could be religious. It's masquerading as God, but actually it's, it's not really, according to the Bible, it's religion. And then people run away from that. And they've been injected with these things. And so there's darkness and Satan is trying to keep it that way. But as the word comes through, the truth, the, the light of God's word pierces, that darkness starts to dissipate, and then we can see clearly. Now, where we see clearly, we have to realize that Satan will try to inject darkness back in, and he'll try to keep darkness in areas. And areas that you've come from, he'll try to separate in a different angle. Oh, well, you've done it this way, but have you ever considered this? You thought you were out as far as you've rejected that, and you are out. But what he, he's subtle. And he, he knows no more will the, will the direct frontal attack work here. You, you've, you've already, you, you are fortified. So he tries to go do an end run and be like, yeah, but what about, and it's not like he's saying, this is Satan, what about this? I'm trying to go around this. I know I can't get here, so how about this idea? You would, it'd be like the bank. You would immediately go, no. It doesn't happen like that. It just is, oh, never thought that. And you're not even thinking it. You just start to think about it. Unbeknownst, you start to think about it. It just got slipped in. That's what we want to avoid. We want to be aware. Wait, wait, beep, 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 beep. Wait, what's that? Oh, you're trying. Wow, it, it's only 2 o'clock today. I just heard this, and you are full out. And I, I would have, last week, I would have just been like, mm, yeah. 
And about 45 minutes later, it's like, man, I'm depressed. Why? Because I started listening to, I started thinking about something. I started accepting a premise that's not even true. And I'm combating and getting uh, anxious about something and how I'm going to solve a problem that doesn't actually exist. He brings stuff to you to get you to focus on something that's not even true. To get you anxious about it, to get you to act in a direction that you never needed to act in. Get you to think on something. Well, God, what are you going to do in this? What if this doesn't happen? Then what are you going to do? How did that sentence start? And it's not a sentence. It's an impression. Things can come as an impression. It just starts playing in your head, you in a certain situation, which is the result of something God not coming through. And now you're like, what if that happened? It, it didn't happen. And now you're worried and you're countering something that has not happened, but he's got you thinking on something and believing that that's what could happen, that, say, that God will not come through for you, and then you're spending your mind and energy on something that's actually false. And if you go too far down that road, now you start making decisions based on something that hasn't happened, but you're convinced could happen, and you've left what God had said behind, and you are fully over here. This is what He does. It's like a, it's like a trick play in sports. You know, if, if one team is running a play that's designed to look like they are doing one thing and the defense lines up to defend that when actually it's going to be, it, the, the end result is in a different direction, they are not prepared to defend the real. They're, the def defense is falling for the bait. The real... The real battle is actually going on with the thought being injected. And when the thought comes about what if we start fighting the battle of how am I going to deal with that problem when actually the battle is right under your nose, we need to say that is a wrong thought. That's the battle we're missing. We're going, they're over here. And we go start running here and it just sneaks in. We're, we're, we are acting on something that's not actually true. He'll say, what, what, if, what's gonna, what happens if your child does this and this? And he starts painting a picture. What if they make this decision or that decision? What, and so you're like, yeah, and you could go down that and start worrying and start fretting. And, and you're buying the lie that that's going to happen. And letting, it's just, your, your alarm system is tuned to what am I going to do if that happens instead of In intruder. It's, we're letting this in and combating a fictitious reality. Anybody getting anything? And we're going, I, oh, I figured out the solution to a non-existent problem. I can't, I can't go to sleep, and it hasn't happened. The reason you can't go to sleep is because you're listening to something that should have been stamped out three days ago. Amen. We got to recalibrate. We've been letting all our weapons go on this. I'm just trying to cast down these thoughts, and we're realizing... Why, why is that even in your head? It's a wrong thought to begin with. Why are you casting down the thought of your child doing that when you're supposed to be not even buying the premise that that's what's going to happen? It's like you're shooting over the target. It's like, wait, the target's here. <laughs> Throw everything on it. All right, now we solve the problem. I just don't understand. You're, you're missing the target. You're shooting right over it, right past it. I just don't understand what's going on. You haven't identified the target. 
And Satan's coming in the back door, and he does this in all kinds of guises. You know, to some people, it's, well, there's no God. And they're like, they're trying to argue about that. And over here, there's a devil. There's no devil. Wrong target. Arguing about stuff, listening to the thing that's actually deceiving them. When really, really, there is a devil. He's just going on undetected. He's like, hey, I'm here, but you can't see me. <laughs> I'm ser- I, 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 I would be very surprised if that's not somewhat the case. It's just like, look at these morons. We can do whatever we want, and they think we don't exist. Here, I'm here. And you believe in me, you idiot. He's mean, wicked. Oh, I don't exist, and God doesn't exist. Yeah. But he does the same thing with somebody that's, you've bought, you've believed God, you're going forward, and he's like trying to get you separated from that get you to start running around in another circle instead of just like, no, I'm staying right here with the Word. If you hold on to the Word and what it says, you can't be moved. So he's got to be subtle. And the more you get a direct frontal attack, it can just, it is just solidifying. You're like, no, I'm not moving from this. And the more it comes, you're like, no, I said the Word is true. So what he's trying to unseat you from that. So he tries to get you off balance over here to where you just kind of walk away from it and start chasing this. You chase the wrong thing. Start thinking that, you know, you're at work or some at school. And you have a thought, well, I, you know, I wonder what they're thinking about me. They're probably thinking this and that, and I need to do, I need to deal with this. And at work, I mean, I'm certain. Sure, you know, that, that guy and the other, the other team, they probably don't like me. They're probably saying this. I bet you, and then you just have a video run in your head of what they could have said that you didn't see, you didn't witness, you, you don't know that, and now you are thinking about what you need to say that, to that person to head this off or what you say, need to say to tell them off, and it, it's, it's, it's a play on you. It's not true. Could be true, but you have no factual if you don't, if it's not proven in reality, you don't need to spend resources trying to figure it out. I'm not saying there's no strategy of what. I'm talking. You know what I'm talking about. You are having specific thoughts about what somebody is thinking. Well, they gave you a look when they came in the, the office in the morning, and you think they're surely they're ticked at you. And actually, they were up till three o'clock dealing with something else. And then, you know, they haven't had their coffee, and they're just like, "Good night. I need to get to the machine." And they go right past you. And they look grumpy because they are grumpy. And they don't want to talk to you. You're like, they look like they didn't talk to me. You're right, but it had nothing to do with you. And now there's thoughts that, well, I just, they probably don't like me. No, they want their coffee. Talk to them in an hour. But you could spend the next hour being like, I just, God, what did I do? I mean, and then you're starting to get mad about something that is non-existent when the actual thing you need to deal with is, ah, they're probably just tired. I don't need, you, you know, you're, you're with your spouse. You know, Satan will lie to you about your spouse. What's he trying to do? End game, get you separated. Well, they did this and that. And you're starting, now you're dealing with, they probably think this or they did that. The same thing. <coughs> you're dealing with a shadow instead of dealing with what actually is. And Satan will try to get you to act on those things, because by acting, you can actually blow up things and bring it to the place that the scenario in your head becomes close to reality. Because there was no thing, there was no issue, but you, trying to, circ- trying to head off a non-existent issue, created an issue. You can do this with your body. People do it all the time. They have some symptom and they don't know what it is and they start looking it up on the internet and they decide it's something. So then they try to start, they try things that are supposed to combat that when they don't know they actually have it and now they start creating problems in their body that they did not have prior because they were, de- they were trying to head off something that, th- that wasn't there. Now they're dealing with issues 
And now they don't know how that got there. It was because they were trying to put something into practice that didn't exist. You got to be very careful about just trying something out. Well, it can't do no har- it can't do any harm. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You start putting something on your body or drinking something that you don't need to drink when there's no real reason except you think it may do something, you may mess- do more harm than good. We need to be careful about when certain things come. If you're driven by fear, well, I better take this because something. Why? Well, it's surely better. No, if you don't have a problem, then you don't need to take that. You could unbalance something else. And now you're focused on what do I... You could spend three days researching about some condition that you don't have and you find the perfect solution for somebody that has it. The thing is you don't. And you're like, I got it licked. The problem is you already have it licked. You don't have it. But now you start going in a regimen and you think you're knowledgeable and you're going down this road that is actually bringing you out of health because you're already in health and you're believing a lie. Satan is subtle. He's ugly. He's playing for keeps. But we're not ignorant of his devices. We're getting... You know, if there's certain areas of our life that we, we didn't see, maybe now there's certain areas that we're like, wait a minute, that was a play. I've been chasing my t- I've been going over here chasing this, and that had nothing to do with anything. Going to recalibrate what we're looking at, what we're scanning, and like, nah, no, no. Well, see, I'm, I'm all, I'm, I've researched this other, thing, this other thing for all this time, and wait a minute. Why am I researching this? You know, one of my bosses put this into me. I like to-do lists, and I like checking them off. One question you need to ask, more than which thing needs to be done first, is does it need to be done? Because that'll save you the most time of anything. I don't care how efficient you are, if you can just say, eh, that's not necessary. You just saved yourself all the analysis, all the time. But if you're trying to combat something or, you know, deal with something in an organization, you think, wow, how are we going to do that? Some of the most relief has come when I'm like, why, why would we do that? I don't have to do that. Forget that. Now you get to focus on something that needs to, to be done. You say, well, that's just too natural. Oh, no. If, if Satan can mess up your business by getting you to do something that doesn't need to be done, number one, you're spending resources. Number two, you're injecting something into the organization that everybody's got to get used to. Number three, if you do back out of it, it questions your leadership. Now it's like, well, he started something, but he took it back. And now you got to undo that after the fact. And next time you have a bigger challenge when you introduce something. And just because somebody else is doing something doesn't mean you're supposed to be doing it. Satan will do anything that will work on you. And he can study. I'm not exalting him. He has been defeated. This is like a case study in how is his, what are his tactics so we can identify it and not fall for him because we already have victory. We can say... You know, if, if he is trying, he, he's going to look, and he knows how to analyze people. His minion's going, oh, watch this. This is where they are. This will work. The only way it's not going to work is if you see it coming and know something that the average person does not. Otherwise, you push your button, you'll go off, and you'll end up in a bad place. We... By the strength and grace of God, we can keep our mind clear of any of Satan's deceptions as soon as we recognize something's starting to take shape, starting to form, starting to take root, we get rid of it. Let's look at it in closing. 2 Corinthians 10, 4, we spent a lot of time on this, but just so that it's in this context, uh, In this message, let's just look at it. 
for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means not natural. See, people are thinking, oh, that idea, that's just natural. Where did it come from? Why did it get injected to you? Why is that questioning there? Why, you know, we need to, to see that. And we, like we've read, Satan's a deceiver. So if it, we need to be on guard that stuff that sounds true, this is why it's so important to have the standard of the word. We have to have something to compare it to to know if it's a deception. But anything that brings doubt, discouragement, depression, negativity, fear, you know right away, wait a minute, this, I need to maybe look at where my target is. Why am I dealing with this? Maybe upstream I need to have cut something off. So maybe when we're looking at this scripture, maybe we've been dealing with too far downstream on combating and doing what this scripture says, and we actually need to bring it upstream and recognize the thoughts that need to be cast out earlier as evil. We're maybe casting down the thoughts that are the result of a fake reality when really we need to take the result. We need to question the premise. Satan will feed you something as if what he's saying, the scenario, is a foregone conclusion, and then you're dealing with well, I, I mean, I'm going to deal with that, so how do I... You go into react mode instead of... Who said that was going to happen? Wait, what are you talking about? So you spend all the energy downstream trying to hit this about this is inevitable when really, who says I have that? I don't know. There's no, circum, there's no evidence that they said that. There's no evidence that I have that. Why am I going to mess with that? Well, you definitely have it. Who said? No, done, move on. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. But no, it's all along the chain. So maybe if you find yourself dealing with casting down the thoughts and really trying real hard on this area, maybe it's time to go back upstream and deal with it a little bit higher and sooner. And what's the root of that thought? It's like somebody said, if you're trying real, real hard to believe, maybe look up further up the stream and see what are you putting in? Because believing doesn't take any uh, effort uh, on the part of the, the intellect or will. If you have knowledge of the right thing, then you're, you just believe. And if we're trying to cast down real hard, what are we casting down? Maybe we've accepted a premise that's a lie to begin with, and we just say, that's what I'm casting down, and it's like a, you know, it's like a pyramid. We cast that down, and it does away with all this other stuff. Cuts through everything. I'm, I'm trying to do all this, and what if, what if, what if, and get this complicated scenario, and actually, wait, that's never going to happen. Boom, go on. God is faithful, and He is a good God, and He always wants us well, and He has good things in store for us. We need to focus on these things. and Anything that would contradict those things, we come in and we're going to identify. We're going to identify it. We're not going to just be uh, taking everything that comes in. We're going to be very conscious now of the things that are going through our minds. Amen?